Thank you, Parables. Good morning and welcome to chapel. Welcome especially to the grandparents who are here with us. We are very glad that you have joined us. Um, so we have chapel once a week, every Friday. And one thing that we have done as sort of a tradition this year is a passing of the peace um, or greeting each other. And we do this to be aware of those around us and to kind of, yeah, notice the people who are sharing the space with us and get to know their names. So we invite you now to stand up and introduce yourself, um, get to know the pe names of people you don't know, and we'll call you back together with a song. I'd invite you to find your seats and please stand and turn to number 150 in the blue hymnal.
Please be seated. At this time, I'd like to invite my grandparents, Stan and Marlene Smucker, forward to do a reading with me. <clears throat> the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting, even to your children's children. As we grow older, we have more and more people to remember. It is very important to remember those who have loved us and those we have loved. The steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting, even to your children's children. Remembering them means letting their spirits inspire us in our daily lives. They can become part of our spiritual communities and gently help us as we make decisions on our journeys. The steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting, even to your children's children. Grandparents, parents, spouses, children, and friends can become true spiritual companions even after they are no longer physically with us. The steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting, even to your children's children. For our next song, I invite you to turn to number 75 in your blue hymnal, Heilig, Heilig, Heilig. This, was, um, this has a personal connection to me. Um, my grandma's first language was German, and this is one of her favorite hymns. So I invite us to sing uh, verse one in German, at least attempt it, and then verse two in English, the second verse of English. Join me in prayer. Holy, holy, holy Lord, we are grateful today that you have encircled us with your steadfast love, a love from everlasting to everlasting, a love revealed across the generations through grandparents, parents, children, and more. Amen.
Let me also welcome all of you who are visiting this morning, especially grandparents and others who have come with you. I'm sure on behalf of all of us at Goshen College, but not most important, the grand students among us, uh, we welcome you and are glad you are with us. <clears throat> I understand that there are over 100 grandparents here this morning for about 70 of our grand students and one all the way from Italy. So there you go. It's a wonderful opportunity for us to be together. I must say, those of you who are grandparents, you're looking a lot uh, younger than I used to imagine grandparents being. <laughs> a, a college friend of mine uh, who just had his first grandchild said to me recently, it's not that I have a granddaughter that makes me feel old, it's that I'm now married to and sleeping with a grandmother. <clears throat> I'm sure, the, I'm sure his wife would say, and vice versa, buddy, and you snore. <clears throat> it just seems to me it's a bit odd that some of the band members of Beatles, Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, and the Rolling Stones are grandparents. So it's true, some grandparents do rock, and not just in chairs. As well. <clears throat> At Goshen College, we love helicopter grandparents. Helicopter parents, not so much, but <laughs> helicopter grandparents. You know, those who hover around their grandkids every now and then and come and visit their grandchildren like you have done today. When your grand student was younger and much rowdier, the old saying was probably true. An hour with your grandchildren can make you feel young again. Anything longer than that, you start to age quickly. <laughs> Now, it, it may be true because even now, most of the events that the students plan start at 9 p.m. and thereafter at night. So uh, we, won't, we won't ask for you to uh, participate in after-hours activities. But today, I hope, we hope, you'll cherish each moment that you have together with your grand uh, student, even regain some energy from these thoughtful and spirited young adults among us. We want you to know that your being here is a wonderful sign of God's steadfast love flowing through you from generation to generation. Now, if Hollywood movies are any clue to deciding the truth of things, and of course we know Hollywood movies are that for us, aren't they? The fact that it's, it, it's striking to me that when you students, by, uh, since the time that you were born, there have been over 50 movies made about grandparents at, in Hollywood. And to see the significance of that, prior to your birth, I went back and I could only find about four or five or six movies about grandparents. So grandparents are making a comeback, it would appear. From Tyler Perry's politically incorrect Grandma Medea franchise, to the witty, caring grandmother on the proposal played not by a fake grandmother, but by Betty White, you know, 92. She's a grandmother several times over, probably. And in theaters now, the downright hilariously crude Bad Grandpa movie, which, by the way, I've only seen the, tra the trailers, and I probably won't go see it, but it's there. Grandparents are making a comeback. It's wonderful to see. In a recent interview, Brad Pitt told of calling his grandparents to tell them about a movie he was in. His grandfather answered the phone and said, we saw your movie. And Brad was very, very proud and honored and asked his poppy which of the movies he had seen. Well, his granddad put his hand over the phone 
thinking that that would muffle anything he said, because of course, if he, put his, if he was in a similar context, he wouldn't have heard what someone said by putting, putting the hand over the phone. But he says, Brad hears through his grandpa's uh, hand, Betty, what was the name of that movie we saw that Brad was in? You know, the one I didn't like. <laughs> Grandparents say the darndest things. One grandparent sometime back said she was worried because she was sure her college grandson was still playing with Harry Potter lightsabers, sitting in his room all day with the computer playing World of Witchcraft or something like that. I felt pretty confident that I could say to her that I knew her grandson could not be doing either one of those things since neither one of them exists. But I didn't say that part. I just had confidence about that. Grandparents are not cool because they know the difference between a tripod and an iPod, because they're up on the latest thing. That's not why grandparents are cool. They're cool because of who they are. They're not supposed to be up on everything all the time. And they're glad that you are. That's the beautiful part of it. Sometimes, even when you were little, they feigned ignorance in all their wisdom. I remember a story of a little girl, I mean, she went to visit her grandmother, and her grandmother arranged the whole day to help her learn her colors in school. So they went walking, and they saw the green grass, it's green, and they saw an orange on the table, and she asked the little girl what color it was. And the whole day, uh, discovering colors. And when she got home, she told her mother, wow, I was so busy today teaching grandma her colors, but she's getting it. <laughs> Sometimes you see, Grandparents, in all their wisdom, feign ignorance out of love for us. They're cool in all their wisdoms, sometimes because just they are your grandparents. Let me go back to the beginning. Anthropologists claim that there was a surge in the numbers of grandparents in the ancient world several millennial, millennia ago due to better nutrition, and survival instincts. So more and more people were living longer and longer. This steady flow of grandparents literally triggered a cultural explosion that established the human species as masters of this planet. The cultural memory tri uh, tripled exponentially. Just think about it. Leaves falling from the trees all across campus, as you see, have no lingering connection to the bud that bore them back in the spring. We know that many animals and birds have family ties to their parents, at least until they are weaned. But few to none of them naturally cross the generations in relating to their grandparents at all. Knowing one's grandparents, having the ability to connect the dots across the generations, makes us truly human unique from all other living creatures. We, know not, we owe not only our very lives to our grandparents, literally, we also owe them gratitude for humanizing us, and for spoiling us too, of course. There are few other relationships that quite as naturally model for us simultaneously the passage of time and the hoped-for future than the relationship between grandparents and their grandkids. However, even though our focus today is on grandparents and grandkids who very much know each other and are present with us, 
I'm aware that many of us here never have known our grandparents or have only known them vaguely or, in my case, traveled many miles to see my grandparents. And every now and then, only one set ever came to visit us and the others died when I was fairly young. If that's the case, I invite us to consider a relationship with another grandparental figure in our lives, someone who might provide a meaningful connection to the meaning of Grandparents' Day at Goshen College. Abraham Lincoln never knew his grandfather, and so summarized his feelings this way. Though I don't know who my grandfather was, I am much more concerned with what his grandson will be. Creation, you see, unfolded, and nature still unfolds in such a way that any given moment in time, the present tense has always built within it, on average, three generations, grandparent, parent, and grandchild or grandparents, children and grandchildren, depending upon how you want to put it, which direction. And this cycle or circle or life trajectory is enduring and unending. I remember when I was about, I think, six or seven, I can't quite remember the age, when visiting my grandparents with my mom and dad, I had sort of a, a revelation, a, a self-realization that my mom had actually once been a baby. And not only that, she had actually come out of grandma. And that my dad, whoa, he had, he must have been little once too and come out of his mother as well. I discovered in that moment that grandparents weren't just about the past, but in their very presence, in the presence of my parents revealed, in other words, in the presence of my grandparents and my parents and me all together, it revealed to me something about my possible future that my mom and dad were once little like me and that they eventually grew up and that kids, little kids like me, will maybe one day grow up and have, be a parent and a grandparent as well, just like mom and grad, dad did. It's sort of a intergenerational revelation. It's these kinds of intergenerational revelations that have always happened since time first began and we are consciously, and we were consciously aware of generations. Before writing appeared, for example, communication across time was dependent on having at least three generations to orally pass on the memories, the histories, the stories of the past, and on into the future. Moses was a, a grumpy old man. He had rang in the book of Deuteronomy. There's a whole book in the Bible in which it's basically three sermons of old man Moses haranguing the next generation to not forget, not forget what had happened to them. That middle generation that would then become the bears and the keepers of the Torah story once he was off the scene. And so he would say over and over, remember that God brought you up out of the land of Egypt and that you experienced God's rescue and that God is taking you into the promised land away from slavery. And he summarizes up the whole thing as, a, as, as if he were a great teacher, which he was. And he was teaching parents how to be great teachers. And he said, take care lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen. Make them known to your children and to their, your children's children. This three-generational now comes through Scripture 
which often, you'll re, you'll, if you recall or have read, speaks in threes of its patriarchs and matriarchs. So God promises blessings. God promises uh, uh, fruitful lives and offers hope and opportunity. And it's almost always said to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, always in that mantra of threes. Or to Sarah, Rebecca, and Rachel, for example. Within this eternal now is a link to the past and to the future. Grandparents are, as it were, a living history book. Grandchildren are its living sequel. Of course, we all know it's a truism that grandparents exist in part to pass on the traditions and the memory and the meaning and the core values of our families and of society. Of course, we all know it's a truism. Grandchildren are born as bearers of those core values and traditions and memories into some future unknown. They are the promise of a legacy beyond the grave for grandparents. I could do a whole discourse today on how that happens and the importance of that very human chain of connection. But I want to speak about something even more significant than that particular before, in between, and after trajectory. I want to leave with us today something even more significant than a storyline, a genre, a narrative that has a nice, neat beginning, middle, and end. The psalmist suggests that above every other possible idea, above every other possible memory or story or feeling or practice or history lesson or do's or don'ts or blessings or genetic predispositions, above anything and everything that might pass through this three-generational vortex, there is nothing, nothing at all more significant than love, what the psalmist calls steadfast love. Perhaps a better way of describing this generational vortex is to think of it as a portal through which the highest form and function of life, the highest form and function of existence, the highest form and function of meaning passes back and forth through this portal between grandparents and grandstudents, between grandstudents and grandpa and grandma. What passes through this three-generational portal is an energy force so potent, so mighty, so visional in its nature, so forgiving, so merciful, so powerful. It's the alpha and the omega. It's the beginning and the end of time. It's the before, it's the middle, it's the climax of your story, of my story, of our story, of God's story, all collapsing, as it were, in and onto itself, in and on into each other, even dying at times, only to be like an atomic explosion, resurrected into new forms and new life forever and ever. Such an experience, literally, when I was trying to think of describing, left me speechless. How do you describe this uh, this, this rock experience, if you will, if you read sci-fi, where it all comes together in an amazing way that's hard to put into words. So I'm left with the bare, simple words of the great psalmist who said, it is called steadfast love of the Lord. 
Yes, grandpas and grandmas give love freely. In fact, as one grandmother once said, if I knew grandchildren would be such fun, I would have had them first. <laughs> you see, parenting is hard work. Parents bear most of the responsibility in raising children. Thus, freeing grandparents to love a bit more freely, less encumbered than parents can at this stage of their lives. Grandparents, the kind who come to visit you and others who aren't here today, would willingly die for you if only to see you live and love and find a fulfilling, fruitful, and meaningful life. No questions asked. That's steadfast love of the Lord and your grandparents. But you know something? Grandmas and grandpas need love too. And they need it from their grandkids. And the beautiful part of this three-generational portal is that I know of no grandparent worth the name Nana, Poppy, Gammy, Grampy, Nona, Oma, Opa, or whatever else endearingly you call your grandpa and grandmother that expects that their grandkid will lay his or her life down for them. Life doesn't work that way. Grandparents do not expect to outlive their grandchildren. Grandparents are the history part of the book. Remember the first chapters. You, the grand students, are the enduring sequel. In that sense, they need you to live a full and fruitful life as one of their highest and greatest joys in life. So Oma and Opa aren't asking a lot. They're not asking you to lay down your life for them. But that doesn't mean they don't desire your love as much as you desire theirs. The shape and form of love takes, uh, might take different manifestations, but no less significant. It's no less significant to be loved and or to be the beloved. I'm not a grandparent, but I think one of the best descriptions of what kind of love a grandparent is looking for is penned by Ruth Good, the essayist, the fiction and science writer, the reporter and woman of mystery writing under many pseudonyms who died a while back in New York City at the age of 92 years. In one of her books with the understated title, A Book for Grandmothers, among a whole lot of witty and wise observations, she writes this, our grandchildren accept us for who we are, for ourselves, without rebuke or effort to change us, as no one in our entire life has ever done, not our parents, siblings, or spouses, and sometimes not even our own grown children. When I read that, I said, doesn't that come pretty close to anyone's definition of steadfast love? To be accepted, to be loved for who you are, for who we are at root, at foundation, where our greatest human desire is simply to be loved. And grandparents are no exception. They're no different than the rest of us in that regard. So in conclusion today, I simply want to remind us, as we celebrate the connections between the generations, between grandparents and some pretty grand students here at Goshen College, I pray that as we leave, we will make known to each other across the generations in simple and profound way this, way, this day and every day, what the psalmist proclaims is true, so long as there are grandparents and grandchildren, 
Let it be known across time and space that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. God's mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is God's faithfulness. That is to say, the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. Yes, to you, your children, and your grandchildren forevermore. Amen. Before, before we receive a benediction, I invite you to turn in your blue hymnal to number 433. Go, my children, 433. And um, as you're standing, I'll give you some instructions. Um, we uh, invite the grandparents to sing verse 1 and everyone else to join on verse 3. And so we'll just sing those two verses. of those who have loved us and those who we love, cherishing the wisdom and love that has been passed down through the generations. Go in peace. <laughs>